Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 241. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray from Medical School Headquarters and MAPT.com. As always, I'm joined by one of the amazing members of the Blueprint Live Online Instructor Crew, continuing our breakdown of full length one from Blueprint MCAT with Dorothy, who is one of the best live online instructors. I'm a little biased because I've been hanging out with her for several weeks now. If you haven't been listening to our breakdown of full length one, I highly encourage you to go rewind, go back several months, and go start at the beginning to hear how we go through question by question, passage by passage, section by section in a full-length exam. We're continuing Psych Soch Passage 10 this week, all about the social effects on behavior. Dorothy, back for another episode of the MCAT podcast. We're so close, so, so close. (laughs) close. (laughs) A passage and a set of discretes left to finish out Blueprint MCAT full length one. Mm -hmm. (sighs) At this point in the the day, students, their their butts are hurting, their brain is hurting, (laughs) their back is hurting, their stomach is grumbling, uh, but they just got to push through, right? Just push through, think about something. I always like to say, like, go into MCAT test day thinking about something that you're looking forward to, whether it's that night or that afternoon or the next day, just something that can get you through that last stretch. Because by the time you get to MCAT, MCAT day, you've been grinding for quite a while, I'm sure. So yeah. it's it's definitely, you're definitely not feeling like a fresh, fresh spry young chicken at that point. <laughs> You are not. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in. We are on passage 10 of PsychSoch Full Length 1, which everyone gets for free at blueprintmcat.com with a free account. So let's go ahead and jump in. All right, passage 10. Behavior is often defined as a function of the individual and their environment, with both the individual influencing his environment and the environment influencing the individual. Behavior may be influenced through the environment directly or indirectly via local attitudes and beliefs. Individuals tend to emulate the beliefs, attitudes, and behavior of the majority of their social group. This occurs primarily through compliance, internalization, and identification. All right, so we are essentially talking about um, how behavior can be altered by the environment. And I probably wouldn't highlight too much here, but maybe towards the end of this paragraph, I'd probably highlight local attitudes and beliefs. 
as well as those three terms in the last sentence there. So compliance, internalization, and identification. Yeah. All right. Amazing. Okay. While individuals tend to follow majority views, minority groups are able to influence others through a process called minority influence. Research has shown that minority influence is likely to occur if an individual views the minority group as an in-group. Additional factors which dispose individuals to following minority influence include the minority group having a message that is clear, consistent, flexible, and in accordance with current social trends. Okay, so this paragraph introduces minority influence. So I would probably highlight that. And I would also highlight the in-group piece. So essentially people within their in-group um, are more likely to be influenced. And then in that last sentence, I'm also liking this piece about um, a clear, consistent, flexible message that is in accordance with current social trends. So essentially it's saying like, if the messaging is along social trends, it might be more influential, right? Sounds like marketing 101. Exactly. That's what you learn. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Last paragraph. To investigate minority influence, researchers recruited 360 participants and split them into groups of 12 to serve in a mock jury deciding guilt or innocence of a defendant. For all 30 trials, the mock jury of 12 participants were each secretly assigned the role of the minority juror, so one or majority juror, which are 11 people, and placed in a room together. Minority assignees were instructed to attempt to convince the entire group of their position. In trials one to 10, Zero participants who were assigned the role of majority juror were told to defect to the minority view if no majority member had changed sides after one hour. In trials 11 to 20, this number was increased to one. And in trials 21 to 30, the number of majority assignees was increased to two. The results of the study indicated that having specific arguments for the minority member and the number of defecting majority jurors were strongly correlated. So we've got an R value of 0.67 and a P value of less than 0.01. So got some significant P values there with group defection to the minority position. So um, in this, we're really talking about our experiment here. So how it was set up as well as a bit of results in that last sentence there. So I would try and highlight in a way that captures the main ideas from that experiment. So I would probably highlight the role of the minority juror or majority juror. So there's one minor minority juror and there's 11 <laughs> majority jurors. And their goal is as a minority to attempt to convince the entire group of their position. So I'd probably highlight that goal as well. The next sentence, or two are just talking about like how the trials were designated. I would probably skip that in terms of highlighting and go to the last sentence here. So the results of the study indicated that having specific arguments for the minority member, so I would hi highlight that arguments piece, and the number of defecting majority jurors were strongly correlated. So I'd highlight those two things. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this passage? <laughs> uh, I think it's okay. It makes sense that helping the minority juror have specific arguments, right? Mm -hmm. And having more majority people who defect is is going to, it seems like it, it makes sense that more people will flip then. Right. It's like, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to be convinced by that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
We'll see. (laughs) We'll We'll see. Yeah. Question 53. Through what form of social influence are new ideas most likely spread? All right. So not related to the passage here. Mm-hmm. So A, compliance, B, identification, C, internalization, or D, minority influence. So uh, social influence. What form of social influence are new ideas most likely spread? So compliance, it just doesn't seem like compliance is like, oh, my boss told me to do it. And so I have right, to do it because exactly. I don't want to get fired. Um, identification seems like it's interesting. Number one, because mm-hmm. there's a typo and it's not spaced appropriately, so it must be the right answer. <laughs> uh, but it wouldn't like it wouldn't be like that on the MCAT. Uh, but right, just like, oh, that thing's happening. I think I identify like that. I, I'm gonna do that too. Um, I think that's potentially identification. Uh, C, internalization. I don't know what that means. Uh, D, minority influence. We talked about a bunch here. Right. And, and minority influence mm-hmm. seems to me like things wouldn't spread very quickly, if at all, through mm. minority influence, okay. um, at least. We are, we are talking about new ideas specifically and yeah. how they spread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Identification to me seems like okay. an answer. It is It is an answer. Well, there's the right choice. answer. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it is not. So D is the correct answer here. So minority influence. And I think that's just because like by default, when you have a new idea, it starts out as a minority idea, right? Or a minority opinion. Mm. And so then that idea can start to be spread through the influence of the minority if they can convince people to adopt that new idea. So... Through critical thinking, the new idea is the key part, which Mm -hmm. makes minority. Okay. Right. So identification, I always think about the fact that like, I got um, Miley Cyrus bangs in (laughs) middle school because I just really liked Miley Cyrus at the time and she had bangs, so I got bangs too. So that's kind of identification. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But no. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that answer, right? Because <laughs> because what if Miley Cyrus is uh, the first one to have Miley Cyrus bangs and it is mm. also minority influence, but it's identification, like, ooh, like I want to be like her, right. so I'm going to do it too. <laughs> but the question stem didn't tell us that it's a celebrity or someone that we might identify with in terms of having that be the mechanism for persuasion. Because I didn't really care about having bangs. I actually looked pretty awful. (laughs) But because my Cyrus had them, I wanted them. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't have to be a celebrity. It's just like that cool person at school that you uh, Mm -hmm. want to to emulate or be in the in-group there. Okay, anyway, I I always (laughs) fight these questions and I'm always wrong at the end. So we'll continue (laughs) to move on. All right. Question 54. What type of conflict are the jurors in the study likely experiencing if they are unsure of the defendant's guilt? So we've got A, approach-approach conflict, B, avoidant-avoidant conflict, C, approach-avoidant conflict, and D, double-approach-avoidant conflict. (laughs) Um, I know this one, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So this one seems like I, I can't logic my way through it just using some words here because approach, yeah. approach, avoid and avoid it. Like, I have no idea. Mm. Yeah. So 
when we talk about avoidance versus approach, we're really talking about like a conflict and making a decision. And there are just different combinations of good and bad options. So in general, think of approach as a good thing. Like you would want to approach or address a certain situation while avoidance is a bad thing because you want to avoid addressing that situation. So um, in terms of approach approach, that's when you're choosing between two things. Like, so you have two good options, both of them that you'd be fine approaching. So you're essentially just weighing out like which one you would most like to approach, like which one has more good characteristics. So that's approach approach, which in this case, what kind of decision would the jurors be making? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Can use outside knowledge here, I guess. So in a trial, they're usually going to be saying, Bad oh, stuff. guilty or yeah. not guilty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So approach, approach, like one option is good in terms of like, it, it depends on how you look at it, but one option could be considered as good and one could be considered as bad. Mm -hmm. um, and so approach approach isn't really, in this case, we're not really choosing between two good options. We're just choosing between guilty and not guilty. Um, so it's not approach approach. It's also not avoidant avoidant for similar reasons because avoidant avoidant is like two bad decisions and you're trying to weigh out which one is a little less bad. <laughs> okay. Um, approach avoidant, I think a common example of this is like um, whether you choose to propose to your significant other or not. So it's like a marriage proposal where it's like, okay, you have fear of rejection maybe, but you also have the hope of acceptance. So you're like making one decision, like do I do it or not? Mm. Um, or like wanting to eat junk food on a diet, like do I eat the junk food or do I not? So if it's just one decision, it's like yes or no, and it has pros and cons. A double approach is kind of just double of that. So you have two options, both of pros or cons. Um, and so this is a double approach avoidant conflict because you have guilty and not guilty, but both have pros and cons, right? So if you say that they are guilty, you could be punishing a criminal, which is a good, like kind of an approach thing. And then, but you could also be punishing an in innocent person and that would be a bad thing. That would be avoidance. But if you say that they're not guilty, if you say that they're innocent, you could be letting a criminal go free, which would be bad, that's avoidance. Or you could be letting an innocent person go free, which is good approach. So both options have an element of approach and avoidance, which means it's a double approach avoidance. Yeah. And this, this, <laughs> this type of like psych social to me is like, this is way overcomplicating English language. Like, just tell me mm -hmm. if it's a good option, like a pro con. Like, right, we, we yeah. <laughs> have we have better words and better terminology than to to talk about avoidant avoidant conflict. Like, that's just right. That's just crazy. Yeah, I Nobody never. Talks like I also this. never use the word approach for like making a decision. I'm like, I'm never like, oh, I'm going to approach that decision. <laughs> um. So yeah, definitely, perhaps more confusing terminology than need be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Question 55. In what way did the passage study depart from Ox? How do you say that? Uh, something line. Osh, something like that, yeah. Osh, Osh's <laughs> line experiment study of conformity. Oh, man. All right. Whatever that line experiment is. A, there were varying numbers of people conforming in the study. B, there were reasons provided for having one's view in the study. C, participants made decisions in groups in the study. Or D, participants in the study varied in status. So 
Osh's line experiment study of conformity. Apparently, we'd have to know what that is to get this answer right, Other, or else we're kind of screwed, which is where I'm yeah. at right now. All right. <laughs> so Asha's experiment is, I don't know if you might know it, but maybe not by name, but it's essentially you draw a line that's maybe five centimeters, and then you have that um, kind of as a reference line. Then you give someone a sheet of paper that's like a four centimeter line and a six centimeter line and a five centimeter line. And you're like, okay, which one is the same length as the reference one? And essentially you can just put Confederates in the room with an actual participant. So Confederates are like people who are actually part of the research team, but they're posing as actual participants. So you'll have people in there that are going to say the obviously wrong answer. So it's like, oh yeah, the four centimeter line is definitely the one that matches our reference one, right? Not the five centimeter one. And then the person who's actually there or supposed to be there for a participant might be swayed by the people who seem so sure that the wrong line is the right line. Um, and so they might be you know, convinced to agree, even though it's obviously not correct. Um, so it's a kind of a study of conformity um, based off of lengths of lines. <laughs> okay. All right. So knowing that, so answer choice A, there were varying numbers of people conforming in the study. B, there were reasons provided for having one's view in the study. Participants made decisions in groups in the study. Participants in the study varied in status. So... Let's let's see if we can get rid of answers here. So answer choice yeah. C, participants made decisions in groups in the study. Seems like that would be just like the line experiment, right? Because you have a group yeah. of people and you're trying to sway sway decisions. So exactly. to me, C is not departing from that. So I'm gonna get mm -hmm. rid of that. There okay. were reasons provided for having one one's view in the study. So again, to me, I'm like well, everyone has reasons for everything. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that actually is departing from the I guess whether maybe. they are verbalized or not, um, if they're given out loud or not, is maybe the distinction here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, answer choice A, there were varying numbers of people conforming in the study. Again, I, I don't know if that's departing from the experiment because that's always going to be you're, you're right, going to sway yeah. people you're not going to sway them uh and then the status one answer choice d i don't understand the status uh of what people are so i'm going to ignore that yeah. one so i don't know it sounds like b is the right answer based on your your kind of <laughs> in interjection there right um sorry if i gave it away earlier but yeah, you're right in eliminating A and C here. Um, status isn't something that was really mentioned. We didn't really talk about like social status at all in the passage, or it's not really relevant to Osh's experiment either, because they just want to see if people will agree with an obviously wrong answer if other people seem very certain that it's true. Um, and so B, there were reasons provided for having one's view in the study. I think the distinction with Osh's line experiment is that the Confederates would just be like, oh, it's for sure like the short line that matches, right? And they 
be very confident, but they wouldn't explain why they wouldn't give like a rationale versus here you have actual arguments. You have, you know, people are trying to sway people to the other side through, I, I would hope a logical discourse. Um, and so there are reasons or kind of rationales provided in this actual passage study. That's a hard one. Cause it seems like you have yeah. to know what Osh's experiment was and how it was, mm-hmm. it, how it was done. And, and, Oh man. Right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Question 56. All right. Last one, I think in this set, according to, I also have no idea how to pronounce this. I think it's Cialdini. Cialdini. Thank yeah, you. Cialdini. <laughs> Ro- Robert according Cialdini. To- Robert Cialdini, amazing. All right. According to Cialdini's six principles of persuasion, which of the following would not be a way that the minority jury could increase the likelihood of persuading a majority juror? So this is a not question. We've got A, providing a favor to the other juror, B, being likable, C, conveying the impression of scarcity of one's opinion, or D, obtaining a written commitment of agreement from a juror. Are you familiar with the principles of persuasion? I've, I've read the book. It's a very oh, good book. Yeah. Amazing. Which of the following would not be a way that a minority juror, juror could increase the likelihood of persuading a majority of jurors? Okay. Um, providing a favor, being likable, conveying the impression of scarcity of one's opinion, obtaining a written commitment <laughs> of agreement from a juror. Um Hmm. It's been a while since I read the book. So okay. let's see. Uh, I believe in you. Likeable. So there's something weird about C, conveying the impression of scarcity of one's opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, scarcity of one's opinion to me is doesn't seem like that's a good thing right like it kind of goes back to that minority opinion idea it's like no one really is on board with that opinion so why would that be helpful (laughs) yeah so i'm gonna go c just because it just seems weird yeah good it is c um i think c can be tempting though because scarcity is actually one of the principles um so it's reciprocity which is a so like I scratch your back first, so you have to scratch mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also scarcity, but that's more like limited edition. Like I always think like Supreme only releases like 600 yep. products at a time, right? So limited edition kind of thing can work. Um, authority, so people who are credible and authoritative. Commitment and consistency. So it's like, oh, they sell diet pills at a gym or like some sort of like weight loss thing at a gym because those people already identify as like being healthier. So they're going to continue to do things that are in line with that impression of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, likeability and then consensus, which is um, just that, you know, we are generally social. We want to go with the crowd. So whatever everyone else is doing, we want to do as well. Yep. Um, yeah. So C is tempting because scarcity is one of them, but it's not applied in this way. All right. Another interesting passage. Just, <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, what I hope uh, is is abundantly obvious is that you just have to know a lot of this crap for psychosis. Mm. You just you have to know it. There's there's yeah. w- the what I've been able to do 
<laughs> sometimes well and sometimes not great um, <laughs> in the chem phys and bio biochem, even though it's been many years since I've taken those courses is kind of using some logic and thinking through it or right. for cars using some logic and thinking through it. But for psych soch, it's just, do you know this strict definition? Do you know this theory? Do you know this experiment? Mm -hmm. Do you know? And there's just, you can't logic your way through that kind of stuff. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of these, yeah, I think the hard thing too, that I feel like a lot of students find frustrating is that a lot of these terms you kind of hear about somewhat in your vernacular. It's like, oh, we talk about likability and consensus. Like we use those words, but they actually have specific definitions as defined within psychology and within sociology that if you know how to apply them, that's awesome. If you don't, then this section can be really tough. Yeah. All right. Another one in the books. We're on to our last one. <laughs> our next episode is the last one for the uh, blueprint full length one. So, so excited. <laughs> I'm not sure what it, whether to feel excited or nostalgic or bittersweet, but we'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. There you have it. Again, Dorothy from Blueprint MCAT Live Online Instructor Crew. If you want to get some amazing free resources from Blueprint MCAT, go to blueprintmcat.com where you get access to this full length, the one we've been covering for free, as well as a half-length diagnostic, over 1,600 amazing flashcards on their new spaced repetition platform, and much more. And if you're potentially interested in a Blueprint MCAT Live online course, go check out all of the amazing details about their 16 classes that you can reschedule at any time for the accountability that you need to do well on the MCAT. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast.